Welcome to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio, and we have with us, not quite in studio, but uh, Trish, I don't even know where you are right now, but I know that you've been busy, you've been doing a lot of traveling, and you, I, I think, I'm trying to get it right, you're the basically the southern section of uh, um, Cal Parks Company, but you pretty much work all of the different uh, marinas in, in parks throughout the West Coast, from Oregon all the way down to close to the Los Angeles area. That's correct. So, yes. and your your title is something about um, Grand Poopa Executive Director. Yeah. <laughs> Regional Southern California Regional Marketing Manager. There you go. And I know that you've been out visiting all these uh, different parks and reservoirs and lakes. So let's get, get an update. It's so exciting. This year has it, been so interesting. It is. It is. It's, what's, what's really exciting, uh, we have at, at Diamond Valley Lakes, we have our wildflower um, uh, hiking trails, and people have just, by the thousands, have been coming. So mm-hmm. it's been really beautiful. Uh, we love we love this time of year. We have all the wildflowers. And, and even better, all of our lakes are getting um, stocked right now with fish. So, mm-hmm. of course, that's always exciting for all of our um, all of our guests that come and come mm-hmm. fishing with us. So, uh, in fact, we just had a fish plant at um, where is it Lake Hennet a couple days ago, and and then Lake Gregory. We got a fish plant yesterday, and having another one. We have a trout derby coming up on May twenty seventh, and giving away five thousand dollars worth of cash prizes. So who wants to sign up? It's a lot of fun. We usually have about 300 uh, fishermen on the lake. Something that we're doing different that I'm really excited to share is um, for our our different derbies that we have at our different lakes. We're doing something called the real time notification system. So what happens is we typically do uh, we measure by length of fish versus weight. And so uh, instead of making all the guys coming back in, measuring their, their live fish, we say, hey, um, our leaderboard has, uh, we have an eight, you know, a, I don't know, like a foot long rainbow trout, or we've got 10 inches, or we've got seven inches. So basically, if you don't measure up to that, stay on the lake and keep fishing. So it's kind, of, it's kind of a cool system that, that we're setting up and piloting this year. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, too, is that, you know, one of the things that, that we should at least touch on is you know, fishing is and, and outdoor activities have I, I I don't know if they've declined, but it seems like there seems to be a bit of a resurgence. But you know, putting um, a kid in the wilds or on the lake as opposed to you know playing a a, a fishing video or on your laptop or whatever it is uh, mm-hmm. it, it is so critically important. And it's memories. And you know, when we start this time of the year is when you got to start thinking about maybe taking a little family trip someplace and we don't care if you're in new york florida nebraska and you want to do a road trip california has got such tremendous opportunities and different mm-hmm. diversity that uh, that you really right. should think about and with what you guys do 
Yeah, if you've got a, a you know a big thirty-four foot motorhome and you you need full hookups, you guys can take care of them. But you know if you've got a little compact car and a pup tent on the top, that that works just fine, doesn't that it? That works just fine. Come on over. Yeah, we have, and you know something that I think we talk, touched on last time was San Antonio, uh, Lake San Antonio, just opened for the first time in three years, and people are putting their houseboats. Uh, out oh. there, and which we haven't been able to do in, now, in a long time. San Antonio, so that's right below Nascimento, right? It is. It's it's about twenty miles north. So it's I know Monterey. It's in Monterey County. Oh, okay. So I think it's actually north. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I could be wrong. I've been there. Been mm-hmm. there, but when I drive, I, I'm I, I, I'm not really great at my direction. Maybe <laughs> so. <laughs> But I know it's beautiful, and uh, it's actually when um, we have a lot of campgrounds, and it's really exciting to see San Antonio open. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's green and lush, and we've got a ton of trees. And, and then, of course, Nacimiento has a, a great camping and, and lodging as well. And, well, what uh, we should probably do is we should have a contest <laughs> for anybody that can spell the name that you just said. We'll, mm. give, we'll give them something. Actually, we will. Like want, yeah, yeah. Some, if somebody wants to, uh, without looking it up on the Internet, if someone wants to uh, uh, send a text to 805-207-3522, and we don't want to give you enough time to, to look it up, if you can spell Nascimento, um, I guess it's an Indian word, but uh, it is, you know, it, it's huge. And you've it got, is, it's, a dra- it's, it's the shape of a dragon, so I'm, I'm assuming Nascimento is, is, uh, is a dragon. Oh, well, we learn something all the time. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it, well, the thing is, it's so big. And the thing about Nascimento is that you've got, um, you know, water skiing, you've got fishing, you've got, you know, res, you know just, you know, resorts. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's got so much opportunity. <clears throat> and, again, there's so much in California. We'd love to have the people from, um, you know, neighboring states to, to, to come by and visit some of the Cal Parks. And you have, was it 24 Different facilities, yeah, and we and and growing. Um, so we are we are definitely going to keep adding new properties. I actually, for the first time, went up to Big Basin, which is the oldest California state park oh. uh, in Redwoods, and wow, the trails. Have you been there, John? No, at I Big have Basin. Not. Mm-mm. That is a place to go if you like to do if you like hiking. But um, it is just absolutely gorgeous and huge. Of course, redwoods and it's by Santa Cruz. That's well, if if you're looking, you know, at uh, what you're going to be doing uh, for summer vacation, definitely um, it's c a l p a r k s c o dot com. Is that what it is? Correct. Now it's it, you know Cal Parks sounds like something that's government, uh, but it's not. It's a it's a it's a private enterprise, and you guys have um, a diversity you know all over the West Coast. And, but uh, you know it's very interesting this time of the year because of the snowfall and the snowpack, and something that's I know you don't have a facility at Mammoth Lakes, but from what I understand, the uh, Mammoth Mountain. This year, for I think the first time in history, is going to keep one run open the entire year, so it's oh, wow. it's never going to close. Uh, now, I frequently, not frequently, but sometimes in the past, they've had enough snow, uh, but they closed down because people stopped going. But they're going to try something different this year, and that gives you kind of an idea of the snowpack on the on the Sierras. Uh, 
and of, of course the the parks that you have you've got a lot in the you know in in that area and then uh, the runoff goes down into the other lakes that you have in Southern California. So we've got plenty of water and plenty of yeah. fish. Yeah. And the other thing is you get trout plants, but you've got a, a lot of different variety of fishing. Yeah, we do. We A lot of people actually like to uh, come to Diamond Valley for uh, our large and smallmouth bass. Mm-hmm. And I know we have uh, we have catfish, striper, uh, is it red deer, sunfish, mm-hmm. um, brown and rainbow trout, and I feel like I'm missing something. <laughs> but um, that's that's pretty much kind of well. Our, something our something real quick, which is interesting, is because uh, uh, the lake that you're talking about, Diamond Valley, is a is a oh. water reserve for um, Southern California. But when it was built, it was specifically designed to be a fish habitat. So yeah, they you know they stocked it and uh, you know waited for a couple of years before they opened, and so it really is a tremendous fishery. It is, it, and and it is a tremendous fishery, and it also is a beautiful, beautiful lake. So I know it's <clears throat> kind of a more of a desert lake, but when you're on that lake, it's just absolutely gorgeous. Right. And, and people bring their own uh, boats, but we also have a really big fleet, and mm-hmm. I jump on a pontoon and just go out and relax because it's there very peaceful, very peaceful. There you go. And just, you know, it doesn't. if the kids want to get up and run around on a pontoon boat, no problem. They don't have to tell them to sit down and shut up. But, That's right. <laughs> it's, it's roomy. Yeah, yeah, we're good. There you go. <laughs> okay, Trish, uh, it's such a pleasure to have you on, and uh, I appreciate that. We'll be in touch with you real soon. It's C-A-L-P-A-R-K-S-C-O dot com, and just pick your place, right? That's right. We got right. plenty. Thanks, Trish. Bye. If you are still using a plastic hard shell cooler, things have changed for the better. AO coolers are lighter with twice the efficiency of the traditional bulky coolers. AO coolers are the best available soft-sided cooler with three-quarter inch high-density closed-cell foam insulation. They will keep ice frozen for 24 hours in hot weather. Easy to carry, less space, it fits product inside for better performance. Go to aocoolers.com to order or find a retailer available at West Marine. Did you know there's a lake in Northern California that's called the Monster Lake? It's home to some monster-sized largemouth bass and trout because they grow in this giant 10-mile lake. It'll take you 30 minutes to go from one side of the lake to the other. And it has camping, cottages, RV sites, hiking, boating, kayaking, and even horse camping. Tell them John Hennigan sent you, and they'll even give you a special gift on California parks. LakeComancheResort.com. That's LakeComancheResort.com. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. 
The road stretches for miles in front of you. And with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway. So your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back Motor Trend Truck of the Year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 MPG highway based on V6 4x2. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. If your feet are happy, you are happy. Soft Science Supreme Comfort Outdoor Footwear will give you happy feet. Durable, lightweight, and supportive. Soft Science Footwear is designed for boating, fishing, or everyday comfort and performance. With history of highest quality, you will be proud to own this revolutionary footwear. SoftScience.com has many types and styles you need to check out. Invest in quality footwear, and you will be happy for many years. Find out why at SoftScience.com. If it smells like fish, you can do as you wish. If it smells like clothes, just leave it alone. and boulders on either side a big old crack here a pothole there I keep calling the cat park but they don't seem to care spring is here water's clear same old problem different here I got the launch ramp blues launch ramp blues launch ramp blues well, it's a macho thing Get down to it To see if you can or cannot do it I've heard all the tips Got all the answers Now if I take your advice I seem to screw it up faster Spring is here Water's clear Same old problem, different year I got the launch ramp blues Launch ramp blues Launch ramp blues Launch ramp blues All centered and snug 
but I can't seem to remember if I put in the plug. Welcome back to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Hennigan in studio. And I think it's going to be that time of the year. We have the pleasure of uh, Bart, Bart Lamoth from Ross Reels on the line with us. And I think it's time to talk a little bit about fly fishing. Uh, what do you think, Bart? I love it. Thanks for having me again, John. All right. Hey, I got to tell you, gosh, was it last week, two weeks ago? I was up uh, at a bishop, and the guy took us out to the uh, uh, Upper Owens, and I've done something that I've never done before. It's called check. Uh, <laughs> check nymphing. <laughs> nymphing, yes. Mm-hmm. And the wind was blowing so bad, but this it, it, it worked. Now, from what I understand, the reason they call it check is that it started in Czechoslovakia. And you know they you know normally you put a you know fly on the you know on the on the end of the line and you maybe put an indicator on there someplace and when the indicator moves you move it but this there was actually three hooks and the upper Owens even though it's a main water supply for Southern California uh, through where we were it was only maybe twenty feet wide something like that. And so what you do is you just kind of flop the line in the water with three hooks that had, you know, weighted heads. And they go down, and you just kind of follow it down for about 10, 15 feet. And if you're lucky, you know, something would bite it, and you pull it in. But yeah. uh, it, was, it was good because you didn't have to cast into the wind. Exactly. And actually, that's, uh, uh, you know, it's developed in Czechoslovakia. They've got super, super gin-clear streams, Mm -hmm. uh, really wary fish. And what it allows you to do is cover a lot of water with a few casts as well as various depths within the water column. And that's part of the big appeal. And that's why you see a lot of your competitive fly fishing. Uh, That's what folks do. They're limited usually to two hooks, uh, but that's the type of style they'll use because you can cast no matter what the conditions are. Uh, Like you were experiencing, John, nice and simple and out of, you know, no Window. The windows well, exist. Well, that's. I would hate to call it a cast. <laughs> Fair. Basically, basically, all you do is flop it you know, yep. into the water, mm-hmm. and, and then just kind of follow it down for a little bit. Try and keep the line. You know, there's no uh, loops in it. So when you feel something, you lift it up. But it was. Uh, it was. It was. I've never done that before. It was interesting. And yeah. in the wind, man, there's no way we could have thrown that thing up into the wind. Oh, it, and that's the really nice thing about it. You are a little flopping it a little more, as you say, than anything, but it's real advantageous, and especially spots you're real tight, mm-hmm. and that's also why the checks developed it is, you know, they're in these really tiny 20-foot-wide streams with mm-hmm. uh, trees on each side. Making casts and presentations is tough, whereas you're doing that, and now, you're, hey, you're getting it right where it needs to be. Well, when you got an 11-foot rod, <laughs> the river's only yes. 20 feet wide, <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's not that difficult. Well, Don't put it right on their right on their dome. <laughs> yeah, it was difficult for me, but that's a different story. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but this is the time of year uh, that people are starting to get excited. They're getting their equipment out, and they're getting their boats out, and they're getting their uh, equipment uh, put together and tying flies. Well, actually, they probably did that over the winter. But uh, this is a very exciting time of the year. Oh, absolutely. You're seeing trout openers in a lot of the states in the uh, east and the Midwest Mm -hmm. um, happened, if not uh, on April 1st and on May 1st. And so everybody's kind of gearing up. The ice is finally going away in some of our northern states. And you can uh, get out there and, uh, you know, start wetting a line, as it were. Yeah, yeah. And it it is. You know, they, uh, you know, I'm I'm not, um, I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't call myself an expert. 
Uh, I mean, on a scale of one to ten, I'd probably be pushing it if I said I was a five or six. But uh, uh, it is. It, it works. It really works, and that's that's the difference. Is you know, I I have no problem with spin casting or trolling or you know, I do probably more um, blue water fishing than anything else. But uh, the, the thing about fly fishing is that it, it it just works. Oh, absolutely, and and you know there are times you know you know I've talked about it on the air before, and there are times when a guy with a fly rod will even mm-hmm. out fish a conventional bass fisherman if conditions mm-hmm. are right too, mm-hmm. and you know it just happens to be one of the more effective uh, techniques, especially a lot of these small streams where you need to be a little quieter, have a little more delicate presentation, mm-hmm. and want to mimic these insects. Oh yeah. Treating. Well, the guide when we were walking up to the river he says, "Okay, I want you at about thirty feet back. I want you to get down to the low crawl." <laughs> to the stream. <laughs> so I think sometimes because, you can get a little crazy with it, but, yeah, you know. Because you may not be able to see them, but they can see you. Mm-hmm. Well, I tried that for about two minutes. <laughs> and did, decided it was a lot easier just to walk up and, and, and flop it in the water. Absolutely. But, but uh um, and of course, the water was not gin clear like it, it would be later on in the year. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, they can still. You have to remember that uh, you know their camouflage system is such that uh, you, you don't see them. I think really all you can see is the shadow they cast if you're lucky. But they can, but they can see you. It, it's amazing. There's uh, you know we our factory here is in Montrose, Colorado. We've got the famous Gunnison River just up the road. Oh yeah. And this time of year is when all the rainbows start getting ready to spawn. Actually, we're kind of post-spawn now, but you'll see them running around, and you'll see a 22, 23-inch fish just in a foot and a half of water. You'll see it come up or move around, and then you lose it. You know, you've got the best polarized shades in the world. You've got the best angle. You're 10 feet up the shore looking down at it. And it's like, how does this thing that's bright silver and pink and blue and just, just vanish in yeah. the thin air? You know, it's amazing. Well, it's the camouflaging they have on the top. And it's like, again, you know, when you're when you're looking in the water, you, you can't really be looking for the fish. Like, if you're, you know, out of 18 inches, maybe you can see them. But you have to kind of look more at the rocks on the bottom and look for a shadow that the fish is casting. Exactly, and that's really how we found them. More the movement, you know, the movement will catch your eye. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see that, and then same thing with these brown trout. You know, they're not even technically indigenous to the U.S. I mean, they, you know, they're from from over in Europe, and were introduced. But same thing with our water; they that camouflage just comes into play, and just mm-hmm. they just naturally disappear. Well, you know, rainbows are probably the predominant fish for fly fishing because you know because they plant because they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. But if you don't mind. I know you know a lot more than I do about trout. What is, what is indigenous? Uh, I know that in down where I live in California, they talk about um, the native trout, and they don't. You know, they, you have to use uh, um, a fish that cannot uh, breed because they don't want to dilute the natural mm-hmm. gene, genealogy of the fish. Well. Are you kidding me? I mean, they, they've been planting fish for a hundred years, oh, and, you're more tra- than that. and you're trying to tell me that they're actually fish that are uh, that are pure um, native or whatever they are. And I know rainbows have been in the United States for quite some time, but uh, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if there's. I mean, maybe a golden trout at ten thousand feet. You hit it. That, mm-hmm. that was the first one I was going to go. The the, the tr- only truly indigenous fish that I'm aware of. You know, some mm-hmm. listeners might be able to correct me. Know a few more. Uh, to the U.S. are the rainbow trout, the brook trout, 
the golden trout, like you uh-huh. just mentioned, which is my personal favorite, um, and the cutthroat trout. Mm. Uh, you have little variations here and there, uh, but generally speaking, that's the same. Now, the, where they were located is a whole different matter. Um, you know, east of the Mississippi, you weren't finding anything but brook trout. That was it, you know, and they thrived all the way down to Florida because you had these huge canopies of, of, of a lot of pine trees, actually, back in the day when we were first colonizing the country. Mm-hmm. And so it kept these streams nice and cold. And so that was a predominant indigenous fish. Well, brook trout are normally, you think of them as being like six, eight inches long, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And they'll get there and they'll get all the way up to three foot long, you know, if oh. they're given the right conditions. Okay. Um, now, the rainbow trout basically took over the country, and that was by humans. That's what we did. There's a great book out there called An Entirely Synthetic Fish. Um, and is, it, that, it, is that by, uh, what's his name, Halverson? Yes, it is. Yeah, yes, it yeah. Is. yeah. And that just kind of taught, it's a wonderful read on how they started, in, they found them mostly in California and then yeah. sent them all over. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll give you well, a per- well, perfect... Well, Bart, Bart, I don't want to cut you off, mm-hmm. but would, would you mind hanging around with us for another segment? Sure, I've got a great story about this here. Okay, we right, we're going to take a three-minute break, and we're going to be right back, uh, and we got to find out a little bit about Ross Wheels and, of course, the other company that you've acquired. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be right back with you. You're listening to Fish Talk Radio. Go to fishtalkradio.com. Back to work on Monday's my condition. Yeah, back to work on Monday's my condition. The fall and winter season is here and time for some fantastic fishing. The trout and bass are biting. A quick drive from the valleys below. We have some great boat rentals to choose from, or bring your own. Visit LakeGregoryRecreation.com for information. LakeGregoryRecreation.com. That's LakeGregoryRecreation.com. If your feet are happy, you are happy. Soft Science Supreme Comfort Outdoor Footwear will give you happy feet. Durable, lightweight, and supportive, Soft Science Footwear is designed for boating, fishing, or everyday comfort and performance. With history of highest quality, you will be proud to own this revolutionary footwear. SoftScience.com has many types and styles you need to check out. Invest in quality footwear, and you will be happy for many years. Find out why at SoftScience.com. The road stretches for miles in front of you. And with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway. So your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back motor trend truck of the year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 MPG highway based on V6 4x2. The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. If you like the show you are listening to right now, you can listen to it and many more just like it on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. Fishing, hunting, boating, and the rest of the great outdoors 24-7, 365 on Reno Viola Outdoors Radio. 
Download the free Reno Violas Outdoor Radio app or visit WRVORadio.com online to see the lineup and schedule. That's Reno Viola Outdoors Radio and enjoy the great outdoors. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. It's a beautiful day, oh, what do you say, let's go fishing. What a wonderful way to spend the day just a fishing. Welcome back to Fish Talk Radio. This is John Henning in his studio, and we have Bart on the line, Bart Larmouth from Ross Reels. And uh, how long ago did you take over, Abel, Bart? Well, it was in 2014. We both came under the same, um, we're sister companies, technically, and we're both owned by Mayfly Outdoors, mm-hmm. a little private group here out of, Cal- out of Colorado. Um, and we just recently brought Abel uh, out here to Colorado with us. So we're doing the mm-hmm. um, machining and that sort of thing here in Montrose, where we make our Ross reels. And we're doing still our real customization, if any of your listeners are familiar with our product, um, still out in Camarillo near you guys. Wow. Mm-hmm. No, that is, well, I mean, Abel is, you know, <laughs> it, it's a top, well, just to kind of give a perspective, um, I think the reason that I first talked to you is a friend of mine that was a, um, a guide, a fly fishing guide, and we were talking about, and I said, well, who do you recommend? And he says, well, for quality and price, it's Ross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I use. And, you know, I would say that, you know, to give a perspective, and I want to qualify it first. I don't want to keep rambling. But when you buy a piece of equipment and it lasts you for generations, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any difference what the initial cost up front was. Absolutely. Because it gets amortized over a period of time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you get the right stuff and it works, uh, you know, and it, and it lasts forever, you know, a few dollars more at the front end, it, is, it you know, loses that real quick. Mm-hmm. But is, to put it in perspective, I'm, I could be wrong, but let me give you an idea. Let's say that uh, Ross reels probably run like maybe three to 600. Yeah, that's and about it, right. And then the, uh, uh, the Able probably go from like 500 on up. Uh, that is correct. You were right on. It's the uh, we joke. It's the um, Toyota versus Lexus, uh, mm-hmm. Volkswagen, Audi kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the big thing you see is just the fit and finish with the Ables. You know, we have a lot more handwork done yeah. with those. Guys are hand polishing them, and we have a proprietary process where we can hand anodize. Uh, and basically, so it's not paint on a reel, but it is actually anodized in the metal, and it creates uh, a pattern that looks like a fish, um, as well as custom colors. Um, well, I, if people are, are proud of the equipment that they use, and you know, whether you're a mechanic or a carpenter, you know, if you've got the right tools, you take care of it, you're proud of what you have. Mm-hmm. But fishing is a whole different uh, genre. I mean, that, that really is. I mean, you spend probably as much time polishing and looking and than you do on yeah, the water. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all about how you look, John. You should yeah, know this. Yeah. But uh, other than, you know, the way that they look and feel, give us some ideas on what's different about, you know, a $100 reel or a $500 reel or a $1,000 sure. reel. Well, you end up with 
uh, the easiest answer right off the bat is where it's made. Um, you know, we've had a huge influx in the last, in, heck, just five to ten years uh, of quality, you know, pretty decent reels coming out of Korea. Uh, and you're seeing more and more manufacturers that will, you know, just have design it here and have it built over there and send back. And so that's kind of your low-end $100 reel scenario. You're not going to have the quality. You're not going to have the fit and finish of an American product. It's just mass-produced, get-it-out kind of scenario. Um, Whereas you start to get into that kind of what we say Ross range of like you know two hundred all the way up to four or five hundred, and you've got something that's made entirely in the U.S. with real attention to detail, uh, with good quality parts, and like you said, something that's going to be generational. You know, we've got we've been in business forty years, and we still have you know grandkids bringing in their grandfather's reel for for just service. Mm-hmm. You know, it works great. Um, and then the next step up from that uh, is you know your Ables and where you have these really high higher-end features, as well as, again, the fit and finish and the, the hand-polished, you know, just real the beauty, you know, as much an art piece and a conversation piece as it is a really, really, um, you know, crazy well, well, mechan- awesome reel. Mechanically, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, basically when you're fly fishing, the reel is just someplace to store the fly line. That, you know, long, long and short of it, John, that's really what it is. I joke, it's just a fancy fancy line holder is really what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, frequently, what, yeah, frequently you never even get down to the you know to the uh, the fly line with the backing. Mm-hmm. It, very true, and it all depends what you're doing. Like all your blue water stuff, obviously, becomes more important. Mm-hmm. And so, to see those price increases, you start seeing uh, products with uh, what's called a sealed drag system, something very high tech with multiple drag discs in there, trying to um, create pressure without. Um, failure and really nice and smooth. Uh, the Able Super Series still uses actually a cork drawbar kind of system. So it's actually a cork disc in there because cork is still one of the best materials we have out there for dissipating heat. Mm-hmm. And so you see a lot of, you know, that is another expensive product. That's something we've got to do a lot of handwork on to make that as uh, efficient as can be. And then you see little bells and whistles, you know, aluminum hardware, um, you know, just different configurations, different real, different porting, you know, cuts and machining in the reels that make them lighter and stronger. So it ends up being a really kind of interesting mix as far as what happens. Uh, I used to joke that every time you put another hole in a reel, you have to charge an extra five bucks for it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we are talking about the drag systems, and assuming you've got a, you know, hopefully you've got a fish on, so you'll have to put on the reel and use the drag. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, the, the drag system, I guess, you know, Originally, they you know you just use the palm of your hand was the drag. Correct. But uh, you know, tell us about the drag system and different types, and you know, sure. and why one costs so much more than the other. Well, you, you, I think we've talked about way long ago on here, John. But the the big difference between a fly reel and a conventional reel is that a fly reel is what we call direct drive, meaning if you're reeling, no line can go out. It's not anti-reverse, mm-hmm. and so you've got to keep your hand off that reel if you want line to go out of that thing. And so we use different types of materials materials to get that reel as lines coming out to slow down. It's basically, it's a break. The drag mm-hmm. system is a break, let's be honest. Um, and some of your more simpler, simple ones are just a little disc drag. So all it is is a single disc of, say, Rulon or a te- some Teflon-based material put up against aluminum or stainless steel washer, and then you crank down and it smushes it. And that adds your, that adds your drag. Nice and simple, one of the less expensive ones. Then you get into uh, really more complex systems like our new Evolution R, where we have uh, seven different discs in there of carbon fiber and stainless steel. And that, and now you have 
all that pressure times a multiple of seven, and that gives you that much more strength mm-hmm. than that. And then you take the next step up to, say, the Able Sealed Drag, which is our new top of the line there, designed for saltwater use um, and real big stuff. You're looking at 16 discs that are all about the size of a quarter. So nice and big, and so you can put an absolute ton of pressure on there. I mean, they, we're getting in excess of 20 pounds of drag pressure out of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's another thing that dry, you know, drives up the price once you well, start having... Say, yeah, 20, 20 pounds of drag pressure, that's when you're using like 60, 80 pound test line. Absolutely. You know, your, your guys are chasing a giant Trevally and that sort of thing. That's what they're looking for. They need to, they need to stop that sucker and it is tough. Mm-hmm. Well, we haven't even touched on, on uh, saltwater, which is becoming more and more popular all the time. Mm-hmm. As you know, I spend a lot of time in Baja and it's uh, Costa Rica, you know, I think they probably got more into it before, you know, we did in Baja, but it's becoming more and more, you know, the thing where people want to get a sailfish or a marlin um, or, or anything. The thing about fly fishing, especially is in, in down there, is they have uh, some fish that you may not consider table fare, but they sure fight hard. Oh, and they're a lot of fun. It's, you know, the... Uh, uh, the jacks and you know and the mm-hmm. needlefish and ladyfish and things that are just fight like, but you know you're not going to kill them anyway. So what difference does it make? Oh, exactly. And that's I mean the perfect example of that is bonefish. You know that yeah. that's one of the premier fish to catch on a fly rod. Mm-hmm. And you don't eat them; you throw them back. Every every single one of them, both for conservation right. reasons as well as not the tastiest thing in the world. Well, that's why they call them bonefish, right? They're all full, <laughs> exactly. full of bones. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, I don't know how often you get uh, into the Caribbean or, or, or do that kind of stuff, but you know you 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 make the stuff, so obviously you got to go out and try it out once in Absolutely. a while. Absolutely, yeah. It, the, the answer is never enough. That yeah. is all. That is always the answer. Is never enough. Yeah. You know that, and it, you know you're, we're starting to see it really spread too, as far as you know, into the warm water sector with bass, and honestly, one of my favorite things to catch on a fly rod is uh, our gar. You know, spotted gar, alligator oh, yeah. gar. Oh yeah. yeah. What a riot. The poor man's oh, tarpon, I call it. Yeah, they're ugly fish, but, yeah, they, they're tough. They're tough. They tail walk. They go all over the place. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I always I used to live in Texas for a little bit, and one of my friends was a semi-pro bass fisherman. I call him semi because he showed up at two tournaments a year and thought he was a pro. <laughs> yeah, well, but I, as, long as, he gets, as long as he gets to wear the badges, right? Exactly, yeah, all the fancy <laughs> gear. But he had the nice bow, would let me go, and until I started throwing casts around, around tree trunks and such and start catching yeah. fish, and that's just not fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, but th- also, you know, we're getting more and more, and I understand they're kind of changing the uh, the regulations a little bit about allowing more fly fishing for the mm-hmm. bass tournaments, where I think, what do they do? As long as the rod is not more than a certain length or something? Correct. That, uh, it's, I, be- I believe it's seven foot, I'm not sure if it's seven foot, six inches or two inches. Yeah. And you're seeing some of the big companies like Sage and Scott coming out with some shorter rods mm-hmm. um, specifically designed for that. And I only have joked that the first guy to place in a in a decent bass tournament with a fly rod, he's going to be rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People will be lining up to help him out for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that was, uh, and well, you know, the, talking about professional, this, you know, uh, trout is probably still the primary fish for people to go out and catch because they plant them and it's you know it's traditional and we never yeah. did get a chance to go in and talk about what well, a rainbow and stuff is but uh, you know the, the you know the the money is in bass fishing absolutely yeah absolutely and that's you know there's as much as 
we get flack for, I mean, I'll be honest, my, my personal fly outfit is probably 1200 bucks that I go out and fish with reta- at retail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the Scott Radian and, and our Evolution and the Ross Evolution R. And, you know, I've got some buddies, and I say the bass guys, I said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you spend that much. And I said, let's start adding up how yeah. much those rods in that locker are. Yeah, but what, what about the $60,000 bass boat? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the truck to haul it. There you go. You know, it's all how we put, how we, yeah. how we put it that way. Uh, we're going we're gonna to take a break, and, you know, hopefully we can keep you going here if we can. But sure. I appreciate you taking the time. This is so much fun, and we've got to spend more time talking about fly fishing. And even, even if you you're an absolute beginner. There's some simple ways to do it. Maybe we'll mention that. You are listening to Fish Talk Radio. Go to fishandtalkradio.com. 